Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Welcome into the first FizzCast of 2021. Ian Unsworth and John Eads here to preview SU men's hoops upcoming games. Remember, check out all of our work on the website at Orange Fizz. Also, tweet at us at Orange Fizz on Twitter. You can peep all of our articles there as well. Well, some polls, radio episodes for Fizz Radio. Stay engaged with the site, guys. There's a ton of content coming out in the next couple of weeks and a lot of Football stuff coming out by way of John, some film reviews. I'll have a film review of Benny Williams up pretty soon. So a lot of interesting content on the site coming up. But John, I think this feels a little overdue. It's been, what, three weeks since we've done a, a FizzCast? Yeah, we kind of got off of our you know routine because we were doing them weekly. And and that's just the thing with all this. you know, like The football team did such a great job of avoiding these problems. We played every single game this year on the football side of things. And then... You know, basketball comes, and then here's this whole problem, and we got two or three weeks off. So, it was a it was a good little break, I guess. But uh, you know, you get bored of watching these uh, Mac football teams playing bowl games after a while. So it's good to be back talking basketball and Syracuse basketball at that. Before before we get into the preview stuff, how do you think Syracuse is going to fare after another layoff? Because we saw against Bryant in the opener, looked pretty shaky. Who knows, honestly? And I mean. In a, in a way, it's good because they got a break. If there were injuries, like, hey, Barama Sidibe, for example, he had some time there to, you know, recover, and he didn't miss any more games right after that Buffalo game. So I'm hearing good things about him, and he's making positive strides in his comeback, and he could be available, if I'm not mistaken, for this game against Pitt coming up. But, uh, you know, it could be a good and a bad thing, uh, good to recover, but also you don't want to get out of your stride, you know, that team chemistry. Uh, you know, Quincy Gary was on a hot streak. Now he had a 17-day, three-week layoff. So... Uh, who knows, honestly. I have no idea what to expect. I'm with you. It's a it's a roll of the dice. Gary, you're right. He was set, he's third in the ACC in points, second in rebounds. Those those are the kind of stats that gets you on the all ACC first team. Of course, plenty of season left, but right now, Quincy Garrier is looking like a prime candidate for all ACC honors. Let's get to Pitt. Uh the the Panthers have had an interesting season so far. They're five and two split their ACC matchups. Uh, this game is going to be a Wednesday 4.30 tip on ACC Network. And uh, this was a, okay, this is a bit of a scheduling mishmash here. We've seen this a lot. Teams picking up games randomly. Pitt was originally scheduled to play Notre Dame uh, on Wednesday, tomorrow. But due to COVID positives in the Pitt program, the game was postponed. And now Pitt's playing Syracuse because Syracuse was supposed to play Florida State tomorrow and florida state had covid positives the funny thing notre dame's rescheduled game for tomorrow against georgia tech was postponed as well so it seems like teams are flying all over the place scheduling's going left and right but the panthers and the orange are going to meet tomorrow in the dome and we'll hit them with the fizz factoid before we really get into it su has won seven in a row against the Pitt panthers and john i would not be surprised if syracuse makes it eight yeah, I mean, I was looking at this Pitt team. I wasn't very impressed. I mean, they're 5-2, they're and two, unproven, really both teams, Pittsburgh and Georgetown, which we'll get into in a couple minutes here. Just, I wasn't really impressed by either team. So I think Syracuse should make it eight in a row, like you said, Ian. Another home game for the Cuse, and they've looked 
very good, at least lately at home. Uh, of course, that win over Buffalo was huge in keeping them, keeping that hot momentum going. Syracuse, they're 6-1. and one. And they're top 25 in several rankings, uh, not the top 25 or the AP, but the, in the net, in the Ken Palm, they're just on the cusp of it. This team could easily be 3-4, and four, but they're coming into this thing 6-1, and one, so Syracuse fans should really be excited. And I said Syracuse could make it 8 in a row against the Panthers because Pitt's missing their best player. Justin Champagny is out for at least a month and a half. I believe he got hurt a week ago. But he's going to be out for a while with the knee injury that he sustained in practice. And it's it's a shame because Champagny is a special player. Last year against Syracuse at the Dome, he absolutely led a pit comeback in the second half. It was all him in the second half, running in transition, getting to the rim. And he was in great form this year. 18 points, led the ACC with 12 rebounds a game. So Quincy Garrier was second, actually since we just mentioned him. Champagny was the only player above Garrier in average rebounds per game. He He's a really special player, and Pitt struggled without him in their last game against Louisville. They lost by 10 points, and they got dominated on the boards. It, it makes sense, but Pitt lost the board battle 45-26. to 26. That's a 19-board difference, and Syracuse is probably not as good of a rebounding team as Louisville is, but I would expect... Uh, the rebounding battle to have a big impact on where this game goes. And that rebounding battle should favor Syracuse. I would say that even if Champagny was playing, because like I was saying before, if Barama Sidibe is back, you add a ton of size and a lot of length under the rim that Syracuse hasn't had in the past couple games. Uh, Alan Griffin's done very well, as has Quincy Garrier, even Dolajai, uh, on the glass, getting those rebounds offensively and defensively. It's really sparked Syracuse runs and really helped out get the wins. But now with Sidibe back, obviously we don't know if he's 100% or 85, how much he's going to play, but just his presence inside will be huge for this Syracuse team and like you mentioned without Champagny I don't think Pitt stands any kind of a chance yeah and without Champagny Pitt has barely an inside presence they have two other dudes John Hewley and Abdul Kalabale but they get equal minutes and they're they don't do much if we're being completely honest they kind of stand down low Pitt really relies on their guards now that Champagny's gone Ardiz Tony and Xavier Johnson are the Panthers now two leading scorers Tony, 16 points a game, 5 rebounds, 3 assists. He's a lefty, and lefties, for some reason, have beautiful shots. Tony's is, he falls right into that category. He loves to pull up. Uh, Pitt runs a lot of action for him to get him open, whether it's sort of like floppy cuts, curl cuts. You name it, Tony's running off screens. A lot of screens. So I would expect Joe Girard, Alan Griffin, Buddy Bayheim to get their cardio in tomorrow chasing this dude because he pulls up a lot. However, he does take some bad shots, long twos that are inefficient, I guess, in the scope of a basketball game, some threes that are a bit you know, chucky, so he, he will gamble to score, especially because Champagny's out, they have to gamble to score, take some bad shots late in the shot clock. If Syracuse shuts Tony down, that is the best way for them to take an early lead. If Syracuse shuts the pit three-pointer down in general, I think they control this game early on. And how do you suggest that they do that? Because we've seen Bayheim continue to mix up the lineup, you know, bring Kadari Richmond and take Gerard out, try to get some more length at the top. How do you defend that screen action? And how does not how does Champagny not being in the game affect that? Well, here's the thing. The zone presents a whole different problem. I haven't seen Pitt play against a zone team yet this year. How how are they going to respond 
to a different looking defense because Champagny is the perfect linchpin to put in the middle of the zone. Everybody see it. You get the ball to the free throw line, the zone collapses, you have space for shooters on the outside. Pitt would have worked that perfectly with Champagny in the game. However, it, it might be a struggle because they play three, they're play, playing three guards now pretty much all the time, all of which are you know, six, three or shorter. So that's a really tough look. However, Xavier Johnson is one guy to keep an eye out for. He's the other lead guard. He plays the point guard spot and he's really quick, really, really quick. And he loves to get to the rim. We know Syrac the top of the Syracuse zone has been an issue. And if Johnson really tries to penetrate, I think that's where Syracuse could falter on defense. I get that. And, you know, if you live and die by the three, if you're Pitt, I think that, like you said, perfectly favor, perfectly put Syracuse in favor. No, what am I trying to say? Favor Syracuse. That's what we want. Uh, because like we've been saying this entire time, no champagne, lack of size inside. They're not going to make every single three. I mean, Bryant lit up the three ball, but eventually you're going to go cold from out there. Uh, like you said, they got Johnson who can dribble drive inside, but I think Syracuse will find a way to shut that down. So really all things point to Syracuse just running away with this one, getting to 6-0 and at home. Yeah, I would expect Syracuse to win by probably six or more points. I wouldn't say it's double digits just because conference play, everybody's scouted well. You know, Jeff Capel knows the Syracuse Orange by now as both he's played against them, he's coached against them, like Every team is going to be well-scouted now in conference play. But Syracuse has more talent. End of story. And another thing, Ian, sorry. Um, unlike the Northeastern game, Syracuse actually had ample time, ample days to prepare. I mean, they had the layoffs. So, Beheim, you don't necessarily have to be on the court practicing to be preparing for a team. You can be at home game planning, watching the film. You know, you could be on Zoom calls with your players and things like that. Unlike Northeastern, they had, what, two or three days to prepare. Pitt, they're having four, five, even six to prepare. And it's also a conference opponent, so it's not like they've never seen this team before, you know? So I think Syracuse will be ready for this one, prepared to have fresh legs, and they'll be ready to get back into this thing in the new year. I'm with you, John. I think Syracuse should win this game easily. Let's move on to Georgetown this Saturday. Big rivalry matchup, and, you know, goes way back into the annals of the Big East. But Georgetown's been struggling this year in the Big East and out of conference. They're 3-5 and five so far, 1-3 and three in Big East play. Not a great start for Pat Ewing and company. And while Ewing is 9-5 and five against Syracuse as both a player and a coach, might not go so well this year, mainly because he lost a lot from last year's team, a lot of transfers. Mm -hmm. And one of my favorites, Ian, was Mac McClung, who's now at Texas Tech, that electric point guard who had highlight reel dunks. And uh, that, that was a huge loss for the team. Another guy, Omar uh, Yurt7, graduated. He was a very good center. He lit Syracuse up last year. And, uh, yeah, they're just young at a lot of positions. And uh, when I was watching him on tape uh, against St. John's, it's only the really one I could find available on, uh, you know, the YouTube. Um, they looked, they just look small. They don't look like they're high energy. I just, I don't like, I don't like what I saw uh, on the film. Yeah, so Mac McClung wasn't the only player that left because of transfer. There were five of them that transferred. James Akinjo is now at Arizona. He won Big East Freshman of the Year. Um, Josh LeBlanc was also on that. Well, he was on the Big East Freshman team, I believe. Uh, McClung as well. Uh, it was some like sticky stuff with this these off court issues. There were like 
actual like allegations from police burglary i'm not i'm not we're not here to get into all of that but yeah it, it was not good there was a lot of bad press around the program akinjo and mcclung the two best players i would say who left they were not involved of any of that however the fact that georgetown just got smacked in the press both you know the washington post espn there there were just there was some bad juju around the program, and that's why those guys got out. And, you know, McClung is certainly succeeding at Texas Tech. Arizona, not the greatest year, but I'm sure Akinjo is going to play well there once he gets his legs under him. Uh, one more thing that, you know, kind of comes along with this, Georgetown had a rough recruiting year. They had the 56th best class in 2020, and right now only one freshman in that class is, is really contributing valuable minutes. Uh, that's, you know, not a normal Georgetown year. And Ewing's remedied that for 2021. But right now, it's it's you're right, John. It's it's hurting Georgetown because they lack energy. Freshmen will give you a lot of energy off the bench, and they lack size. Uh, they only really have one true center, or at least one reliable center. And Ian, going back to that recruiting class, that 2020 class, what do you attribute to that depletion? I mean, Georgetown, obviously, one of the... I'd say top 30 teams in the country, wouldn't you say? Uh, maybe. I mean, Georgetown's kind of fallen off in recent years. You Having a great, you know, great player of the past who's now coaching like Ewing is, is a huge plus. We've seen it with the Hurleys around college basketball, Jawan Howard at Michigan. Like, p- former players are always a big hit with recruits. Penny and, Hardaway. And, and yeah, Hardaway as well. Penny Hardaway at Memphis. It, like recruits and recruits parents love that sort of stuff but when you have stuff like the five transfers it's not only that you are recruiting for the future of course you you want to fulfill you want to fill your roster up every single year but none of these guys that Ewing got in this 2020 class were expected to come in and contribute right away Georgetown was supposed to have a stacked team this year and they were supposed to be competing for top four in the Big East that's obviously not the case, and now these guys are going through trial by fire. And it's not going to work out well, especially in a year when you probably have one of the shortest off-seasons ever, barely any time to prepare, and games are kind of getting thrown at you left and right. It's, it's a, just a really rough time to have an inexperienced team. Kind of like the inverse of what Syracuse had last year. A lot of the critics on the outside recruiting, you know, everything of that nature. Now it's flipped, and it's Georgetown's problem. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you, but let's get into this game it should be high scoring. Georgetown's only held two opponents to under 70 points. Um, I'd, ex- I'd expect a lot of shooting from both sides. I'd expect a decent amount of fast break from both sides. But the guy that Georgetown goes to the most is Javon Blair. And we already we touched on the departures. He was their like fourth option last year. Third guard. You know, started sometimes, came off the bench sometimes. But he's now he's now their you know he's their go-to guy. And he's played decently well, 19 points per game, four rebounds, three assists. But when he's going, Georgetown's going, and when he's not, they're not. Against Villanova, he was, I think, 5 of 15 from the field, and they got smacked by Villanova, double-digit loss. And, of course, Villanova is a top 15 team in the country. But still, it just goes, it goes to show that Javon Blair is the linchpin of this team. 
and he only had nine points against Syracuse last year. But what I remember from seeing him was that he made the key buckets, the key assists, the key plays late down the stretch to really seal that win for the Hoyas. And now, obviously, like you said, he's stepping into a bigger role, probably quicker than he anticipated. And we see this every year. Some guys handle the spotlight, you know, all that added pressure well, and others not so much. Obviously, it's something to adjust to, a la Alan Griffin here at Syracuse. But, you know, he's handling it pretty well, all things considered. So, We'll see. Javon's still uh, learning, like you said, and growing into his role, finding his stride, if you will. And when you get, when people lean on you more, when the team leans on you more, it means you, they rely on you to make those shots, make those plays. And obviously, he's leading the team in scoring because he is the guy taking those shots, making those plays. But you know, at a certain point, there's only so much you could do as one player. Yeah. Down low, Georgetown has some, int- I would say, interesting players. Kudis Wahab. I think people might remember this name. He's a sophomore now. He was a former Syracuse target in recruiting. Wasn't like a top 100 player or anything, but one of those late bloomer kind of dudes that goes on to make an impact for a program. He's starting now for the Hoyas, averaging 12 points per game and eight rebounds. He gets a lot of post-ups. That's just how the Ewing offense is built because Georgetown has historically good big men. Ewing, Alonzo Mourning, Dikembe Mutombo. The big man's always going to be involved and with Yurt 7 last year, if Ewing keeps that same system, you got to throw it down low. You got to get some points that way. Well, Hobbs got a bit of a post up game, but I would say it's still fledgling. He's he's got a little like turnaround jumper, not much of a hook shot. Uh, he's he's still growing. I think is the is the consensus there, and he's going to be good. But I'd expect Barama Sidibe to handle him. I really would expect Barama Sidibe to win this matchup down low. Because he's got two more years of experience. that That's the long and short of it. I was going to say the same thing. Having Sidibe back is huge, especially when you're going against a post-up guy like this down low. I mean, Quincy Garrier probably could have held his own if he went against Wahab. I don't think Dolezal would have. But like you said, your 7 was so crafty down there last year with the, yeah. you know, the hooks, the spins. Wahab doesn't have that. a lot that. of fouls, too. That too. Your 7 drew that's a ton it. of fouls. And, and that's huge. Uh, but I think having Sidibe back would be huge in kind of mitigating the damage that Wahab can do. And especially since it's a zone and we don't, you know, really play a man defense. So, you know, posting up isn't as big of a factor, right? Yeah. Um, and the boards, too. I, I would expect Syracuse to win that, especially since Georgetown, like Pitt, plays a lot of guards, usually three, Blair. Donald Carey, who's their best three-point shooter, he's the only guy over 40%. Uh, but when he's not hitting from three, he's not much of a factor. His only games where he scored double digits are when he's at least shooting 50% from behind the arc. So that's just keep that in mind. Half, Syracuse has to close out on him. The other starter for Georgetown, Dante Harris, the only freshman that really plays for the Hoyas. He's 5'10". He should not be a factor on the boards. One more dude to mention for the Hoyas, who I actually really like watching, Jamorco Pickett. Uh, averages 11 and 8. I would call him Georgetown's version of Merrick Dolajai. He's long, he's super lanky, and he crashes the boards well. When he crashes the boards, Georgetown is a much better team. right? When they give him the ball on the elbow, Georgetown is a really good team. But when Pickett's not involved, the offense just doesn't seem to flow very well. It's the same thing with Dolajai. When Dolajai is just kind of a non-factor for Syracuse, it, it just clutters up the floor, and it's just not very nice to watch. So I would say those are pretty—I'm would I'm, I'm excited to see that matchup. I think those two are going to go at it all day, both down low, uh, going for boards, rebounds, and on the on the offensive end for Syracuse, when Dolajai gets the ball at the elbow, two really experienced players and two guys that I think 
Pickett could be a pro. I'm not exactly sure. Maybe like a G League guy, but two guys that are super experienced and both have earned their stripes playing college basketball. Everything you said, I was going to basically say. I mean, Dolajai, like you said, when he's going, the Syracuse offense is going, when he's getting those rebounds, finding ways to score uh, off the block on the elbow, off of rebounds, Syracuse just seems to play two, three times better as opposed to when he's not involved and we're just hucking up threes from all over the place. Uh, and Pickett, like, same skill set, and I agree. One thing he does have that I wouldn't say Dolajai has is an outside shooting presence, and he could stretch the floor. Now, he's a 32% three-point shooter. 13 of 40, which obviously isn't great, but what I'm trying to say, he has the potential to do it. So, he could stretch the floor. I'm not sure that it'll matter, though. Yeah, I would expect Syracuse to go 2-0 and this week. I think anything else is probably a disappointment, and there, there might be rust. There might be this and that. But regardless of the excuses, Syracuse is the better team on paper for both of these matchups, and they should be the better team once, bo once both squads duel it out. And another thing... We said Garrier's third in the ACC in scoring. Syracuse, as a team, is leading the ACC in scoring. Now, they have only played seven games. I'm not really sure how you would factor that in with teams that have played, like, I don't know, 10, 11, or 5. But that's something. They're leading the team in the ACC in scoring. And as long as they can, you know, put up those kind of numbers every night, it'll be very tough to lose. And they just got to kind of get it going again. <laughs> it's kind of a hard thing to take three weeks off from playing a sport and not even being able to really practice as a team. I mean, I'm sure they were up shooting shots by themselves and whatnot, but... Uh, we'll see. I, I'm curious to see how this team responds and kind of gets going after this reset. But you're right, John. Expect some scoring because Syracuse ran Pitt out of its own gym last year, and uh, Georgetown should get ran on Saturday. So for John Eads, I've been Ian Unsworth. Thank you so much for listening to this week's FizzCast. Check out our stuff again at OrangeFizz on Twitter or www.orangefizz.net. We'll have another FizzCast next week. Hopefully for two more games, both in ACC play, but so long and go Orange.